0: Morning. Good to be together. Thank you for joining us online. For those of you who are at our online campus, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's an exciting time to be a part of our church. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to look forward to. I'm encouraged. I'm excited. Um, it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great new season for us. So this morning we are wrapping up a series uh, through the Gospel of John where we're looking at the I am statements. Of Jesus, we've looked at seven different I am statements where Jesus is proclaiming to be the Son of God. Uh, in some sense, Jesus is proclaiming to be God. Powerful, powerful statements. And as we've studied through these, God's really pressed that on my heart, or I've uh, given God's given me a, a different perspective on these statements and on these declarations. And that is just how powerful the words I am can be. They're powerful because they're statements of identity. And as I thought of this more, especially with this past year that we've experienced, I thought, man, how much has I am statements, have I am statements been a source of division? We think about that this past year. We think of um, race. Politics, it could even be gender, definitely our faith, our religion. I am statements can be so powerful that they're divisive. Just a statement of identity. We've seen the fruit of that this past year. And the flip side of that is I am statements can also be so unifying. Think of the power of an I am statement, like people who have have survived illness, or who are who are um, who ha, are who have the same illness, like someone who's able to say, "I am a cancer survivor." And within a group of people, there's unity there. It makes me think of like the camaraderie, and I think of um, like the uh, the military and the pride and the identity that some people have when they say, like, I am an army ranger. Or, I am a Navy SEAL. You know, before I got into ministry, I sold swimming pools. And I was once meeting with a couple to sell them a swimming pool, and I found out that the husband was a Marine. He had been a Marine. At some point in the conversation, I said, ex-Marine. Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think he even raised his finger at me and waved it a little bit. He said, no, 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 no. There are no ex-Marines. I'm a former Marine. Just the identity, the power of that statement, the identity that this soldier found in that statement, the fence that he took when I used the phrase ex-Marine. I've never done that since. And I also didn't get that pool sale. So (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I guess it makes sense. But it's a unifying statement, the power of saying, I am. The statement of identity, and as much as I hate to do this, because I hate using sports analogies in sermons, but you think of stadiums that are filled with fans. The unity that's found in saying, I am a Red Sox fan, or the division in saying, I am a Yankees fan, right? There's power in those statements, powerful words because they're a statement of identity and throughout our i am series we've heard jesus expressing his identity as the son of god and he says he was using opportunities to teach the people around him what that means who he was he was revealing himself in saying that i am the bread of life no i am the light of the world no i am the good shepherd no me i am the one true vine He's using imagery from what the people were experiencing and is declaring that he is God. Our elder, Jerry Laterno, early on in the series said it this way, that when Jesus was saying, I am the light of the world, he was saying, I am God. These statements were challenging to the people of Jesus' day as well, particularly the religious leaders. And multiple times, Jesus' life was threatened because of the offense that was taken in making this declaration in these two powerful words, I am. So what we're going to lean into today as we wrap up this series is the power of those two words. We're gonna look at an example in uh, John chapter eight where Jesus says, I am. He he states an, an I am statement that is offended to the people at that time, but the weight will experience the weight of what he was saying by people's response. And then these statements, which are, which are much like a line in the sand, like a stake in the ground, like they're inviting us to respond, not just for the people of Jesus' day, but they speak to us now. And what we find is that he says, you know, do, do you believe me? Do you believe I am who I say I am. He invites us to respond to that. He says, are you with me or are you not? Are you one of my disciples or are you not? Where is your identity? He invites us to make just as strong a statement in saying, I am. We're going to look at what that means. But before we do, let's pray and ask God and invite God to open up our hearts to his teaching. Father God, once again, we're so thankful for your word and for your spirit. We're thankful for newness of understanding. God, how how sometimes you capture our hearts and you bring us a fresh perspective. We're thankful that you teach us and communicate to us in this way. And God, I pray for changed hearts whether it's experiencing you in a new way and understanding you in a new depth, or maybe it's hearing the good news of the gospel for the first time and responding to your invitation. And we pray that your spirit would move this time that we've set aside to look into your word. And we pray all these things through the mighty power of Jesus. Amen. All right, so like I said, it's a... It's, uh, These I am am statements are bold and what they did in Jesus' day and what they do for us now is they really draw a line in the sand. They kind of put a stake in the ground. They invite us to make a decision to count the cost. Counting the cost is understanding the decision that's about to be made and Jesus talks about this directly in Luke 14 when he's teaching his disciples It says that he was with a large crowd as they were traveling. Jesus taught them the cost of being a disciple. That's what this this section in the NIV translation is called, the cost of being a disciple. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 28, where he uses this imagery, he uses this story. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. will not you first sit down and estimate the cost or count the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. We read this now because this is Jesus' own words. And this is Jesus laying out this perspective that there's a decision to be made. There's a cost to be understood. He wants us to understand what we're stepping into when we say, I'm a follower of Jesus. He wants us to understand the weight of that identity. The weight of that statement of identity is part of our response to the gospel. And I'll tell you through this whole study, that's the one thing that has really weighed heavy on my heart is my response to the gospel and how easily I will respond to the mercy and the love and the grace of God, but how difficult or how I I tend to move away from actually waking up every day and surrender, counting the cost and committing to it. So we read that passage in Luke now because that's straight from Jesus' lips and he's saying there is a cost. You need to understand what you're committing to and he uses that analogy of building. It's like, don't just build the foundation. Follow through. Commit to the decision being made. He's inviting us to count the cost, to understand the weight of our decision. Because in following Christ, we don't, we don't want to just get swept up in a moment or swept up in emotions or follow our own sort of inclinations. We're making a decision. The gospel invites us to make a decision, and that decision hangs on this weighty statement of identity, where we say, I am a follower of Jesus. Like I said, we're gonna look at John chapter eight, where Jesus says another I am statement, and he understood the weight of these words. He understood the weight of these words, and as we read further and further through the Gospel of John, we can see tension start to build. Things start to boil up. We see this in John chapter 8. Jesus begins to really agitate the religious leaders of that day. And he does this in a conversation where he elevates himself to their patriarch, Abraham. And the Pharisees of that day, their whole belief structure was built on the fact that they were of their, their national lineage, of their covenantal lineage to their father, Abraham. And what Jesus does in this discord is he elevates himself to a level of Abraham and then even further above. And the Pharisees just can't stand this. But this is what Jesus is preaching. This is the good news of the gospel. This is why our Bible is divided up into two different sections. There's that old covenant that the Pharisees are holding on to, and there's the new covenant, the New Testament that Jesus brings. So he's preaching something completely different than what anyone had ever heard and these are the same heavy I am statements that ultimately lead to Jesus' crucifixion there's power in these I am statements so Jesus is having discourse with the Pharisees and he's elevating himself to that of, of Abraham or even above Abraham he's elevating himself in such a way that he's saying I and my father are one And the Pharisees just can't believe this. And so they respond, starting in verse 54. They respond by saying, they're kind of saying, who do you think you are in doing that, in elevating yourself in this way? What gives you the right to say you're the son of God? And Jesus' response starts with, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. So he says, I'm not the one lifting me up. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. I and my father are one. If I said I did not, I'd be a liar like you. That's got to pinch a little bit. But I do know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. He says their response was, you're not even 50 years old, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? You're saying, how can, you, how can you say that? How can you elevate yourself to a contemporary of Abraham? And this is where Jesus goes one step further, much in all of his I am statements. He says, very, very truly, I tell you. He's like, no, 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 no. I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And The scripture says at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Remember the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. It was Jesus. The Word was with God. That's what Jesus is proclaiming here. And it's making the Pharisees' blood boil. And you can almost feel the intensity of these statements hop off the pages of Scripture. Jesus understood the weight of saying, I am. Before Abraham, I am. He's making that bold statement, and that bold statement was met with opposition that ultimately led to his crucifixion. What I want to say this morning is that there's just as much power intention, and weight in our declaration of saying, I am a follower of Jesus. The gospel invites us to make our own I am declaration. And that is a weighty, weighty statement of identity. Through, like I said before, through this study, I have felt the weight of that statement more than I ever have before, I think. And this isn't a one-time thing. This decision, this response to the gospel is not a one-time thing. Luther said to preach the gospel to ourselves. And then Pastor uh, Paul Tripp did a study on this, and he actually said, preach the gospel to ourselves daily, daily. He said, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. And he puts it this way. He describes the gospel as reactive, as we reflect back on our sin and circumstances and try to evaluate them through a gospel lens, but it's also proactive. As we gaze on the beauty of Christ, remember who we are as a child of God. There's that statement of identity. Rest in his provision, his power, and then act in reliance on him. This is what I've been met with in the weightiness of an I am statement. the Same weight that Jesus felt. He's giving me that same weightiness in response to the gospel. Because it's easy for me to remind myself daily of God's mercy, loving kindness, his grace, but it's hard for me to remind myself of the decision that I made, the declaration that I've made to be a citizen of God's kingdom. And I would say, here is where my love for God needs to be shown more in my commitment just as much as they are in moments where I'm swept up in his grace. And as far as commitment, Jesus calls us to love everything, even ourselves, less then we love God. By surrendering to his teaching and guidance through the Holy Spirit, there's a passage in Luke 14, part of that same cost of being a disciple passage. It's a very difficult one to read. But again, this is counting the cost, and this is from Jesus' very mouth. Where he says in verse 26 of chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. That's a really tough passage to read. Hate is a very strong word. I think Jesus uses this language to emphasize its importance. And some translations won't translate the word hate. If you go back to the word As hate, if you go back to the Greek word, which is meseo, it means to love less or to esteem less. This is what I believe the Apostle Paul was saying in his letter to the Philippians when he says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus wants us to know the weight of what we're saying the weight of what we're committing to, when we say that I have decided to follow Jesus, I am a disciple. Again, that statement of identity needs to be heavy, heavy in our hearts. Count everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is this surpassing worth this is our hope right in light of our hope in light of the hope that jesus brings we count it all loss because jesus has something more for us there's more to this life that's a message of hope that jesus brings through our surrender We receive blessing and trials in our lives, but our motivation in life is found in our hope of future glory in eternal existence with God the Father. So the good news of the gospel is that when we come to the end of ourselves and we realize that we're broken, we realize that we can't fix ourselves and we turn to Jesus and the saving power of Jesus There's also this message of hope. That there's more for us. And Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verses 19 to 21. When he reminds us not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Makes me think of that imagery and what we learned in the Good Shepherd where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also as we consider the cost of being a disciple of Jesus and the weight of that statement he also reminds us of the reward that's not it there's an ultimate end and there's an ultimate freedom he says again in, in John 14 do not let your hearts be troubled you believed in God Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? Am I going in a, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. That's right around where Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's a hope, but this is what I call the treasure and the challenge of the gospel. The treasure of the gospel is the merciful, loving kindness of God's grace towards sinners. The challenge of the gospel is to therefore surrender everything in my life to his kingdom, to his will, to his teaching, with the hope of future glory in eternity. There is a cost in following Jesus. There's a cost and there's a weight to that I am statement and saying, I am a follower of Jesus. But the good news of the gospel is then we share in the same hope. In Hebrews 12, two that says that, that the hope, that with the joy that was set before Jesus For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We have that same hope that we share as citizens of the kingdom and as members of the family of God. So it doesn't end with that weighty statement. The treasure and the challenge of the gospel. And like I said, this is something that God has really pressed on my heart. I'm really good at holding on to the treasure of the gospel and I will worship and I will rejoice and my heart will be overflowing with gratitude because of that grace that I've experienced but then on the other hand I tend to hold on to a little too tight that challenge of surrender, of letting go of counting everything in this world lost compared to the hope that I have in eternity, and letting that form who I am and my identity. So that I wake up every day saying, I am a child of God, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God, therefore, and then going forward with that. I'd like to think as a Christian, like that's gonna be my best day, when I can wake up with that perspective and with that mindset. the treasure and the challenge of the gospel. And God said, Jesus says we cannot surrender to him and the world at the same time. This is why Jesus says we're not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And Jesus says, when talking about money, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. But I think the same principle applies here, and what he's teaching about is not being double-minded, not, having, not holding on to two things at once, not embracing the treasure, but kind of being hesitant to accept the challenge, the surrender. So here it is again, that line in the sand or stake in the ground. And Jesus is inviting us to respond. All of these I am declarations, Jesus has been saying, I am the son of God. I am your savior. His contemporaries couldn't couldn't grasp that. His contemporaries were offended by that. And here he gives us this invitation full of grace freely Asking, do you believe? He wants to know, are you in or are you out? Are you with me? Or are you not? And what does the Bible say? If we are with him, we're commanded to be baptized. To make that declaration. Proclaim it. Say, I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a child of God, I am a citizen of heaven. No matter what I experience in this world, I am surrendering to the will of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I am going to count it all as loss. There's no precursor to being baptized other than acknowledging our brokenness. Surrendering to Jesus' victory over sin and death and committing to being his disciple. Committing to surrendering to his teaching, his direction. So be baptized. Make that declaration. Proclaim it. Say, I am a follower of Jesus. I know that there's some People that may be thinking that they're not ready. Some people may be thinking they need to get right before God, before they can be baptized. And I want to let you know that that defeats the entire point of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that we don't have to come to God all put together. We don't have to stand in our own confidence. We only stand in the confidence of Jesus Christ and our identity in him in our declaration that we believe he is who he says he is. And that he did what the Bible said he does. Baptism is not a proclamation of perfection. It's a proclamation of commitment. We're having baptisms next weekend. If you feel God stirring in your heart or if you have made That bold, bold statement and saying, I am a follower of Jesus and I want to invite you to be baptized. Proclaim it. It's our public declaration of our decision. This morning, we're going to have a sign-up table in the back lobby. There'll be links and emails made available to those who are viewing online. It's the boldest statement that we're ever going to make. Just as We've seen through this series the weight of these statements and some of the responses that they bring. This statement for us is the weightiest statement we'll ever make. And it's not just receiving the treasure of the gospel. It's committing to the challenge of it, committing to the surrender, committing to counting it all lost compared to the future glory that we know we're gonna receive in Christ Jesus. That's our posture of response. If you are responding to that for the first time, reach out, let us know, be baptized. I know in the past as a church, we've done baptism different ways with video testimonies and read testimonies and all of these things and and I wanna let our church know that the reason we do those things is to share because these stories are impactful But by no means are these requirements. So if you're interested in getting baptized or if you feel God is moving you to get baptized, don't think you have to follow any certain protocol. Just reach out and let us know. If you believe, if you're making that declaration, if you're proclaiming that weighty statement and saying, I am a follower of Jesus, then get baptized. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And for those of us who've already been baptized, Let this be a reminder of the commitment that we've made in Christ. Not just the response, but the commitment that we've made in Christ and move forward in that and pray that God continues to empower us and guide us through his spirit, amen? Let's pray together. Holy God, we are so, God, we're just in awe. Sometimes we just stand in awe of who you are. And when we read these things and we consider these things, that makes us feel so grateful. Grateful for your love and for your mercy every day. And it motivates us, it spurs us on to wanna be fully devoted, fully committed disciples, followers. God, I pray that if you've moved in the heart of people this morning to make that decision, that you give them a boldness, a courage to step out in faith, to make that declaration, to be baptized, say, I am a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There's power in those words. God, we know as a church the unity that we find in those words. It's only made possible through your love. Only made possible through the power of your son Jesus. And it's in his mighty, mighty, mighty name that we pray these things. Amen.